Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gabby Rosen Podcast. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Rosen Podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. My guest this week is the very lovely Sarah Davies, Known, of course, as being one of the dragons in the den and also one of the stars of last season's Strictly Come Dancing. We talked about everything, how she got started, her family, her business, how she feels about being famous now. She's a complete delight and I do hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Please, can I ask you a favour? Would you mind following and subscribing, please, by clicking the follow or subscribe button? This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. Sarah, you made me cry today. Oh, what did I do? I was watching Mac Talk and the Chili Paste version um, uh, episode of uh, uh, Dragon's Den, and I was crying. You're not the first person to say that. I think that was my day two ever filming no. in the den. Yeah, it was. And do you know what? The first day was kind of a warm up. So by the second day, I felt really confident, like I'm going to go for it. And I remember the first the first pitch up that day I invested in. And then I think I did another one later in the day. And Peter was like, wow, you've really come in hard, new dragon. <laughs> and then it was, it was about uh, half past eight at night. Poor Will had been there since six o'clock that morning. Oh. It was touch and go because we were overrunning with the filming. Would we fit on? And they said, do you know what? Does everyone not mind finishing late? We'll come in. And he came through them lift doors, Gabby, with his little guitar singing that song. And he had me transfixed from the moment he walked through. And then as soon as he told me his backstory, I just remember thinking, oh, my word, this is everything I said I wasn't going to do. But one by one, the dragons dropped out. And I thought, how is no one wanting to give this guy a break? He's just amazing. And my little Will, you know, he's still, I still speak to him on a regular basis. Oh. He's one of my favourite investments to work with. And I, I you know, I, I'm well into cooking with his chilli paste now. I've never had chilli paste in my life, I can tell you. But um, it was a real, it was one of them really pinch me moments that I, I am lucky enough to be in that place where I get to help people like that. And really, you know, he's, he's an up and coming entrepreneur and he just needed some help and support. It wasn't about the money. It was about having a mentor who could help him on that next, next stage of his journey. And you know what? I've had a wonderful three years with him. How's he doing? How's the, how's the product doing? 
sought, you know, he's been hit really hard by the pandemic, I'll not lie, because a lot of his business was going around doing food festivals. But we've got a really robust business plan in place. He's got some awesome product development on the horizon and he's pulling through it. So I'm so proud of him. You know, a lot of businesses just haven't made it through the pandemic, especially ones that are based on industries that relied on face to face. So I'm so proud of him that he's still going and he's pulling himself back oh. from what's been a really challenging couple of years. Do you know, because I, re I remember I, I watched the show and I have to say um, that uh, my dad asked me to tell you, he's in his late 80s, and I told my dad I was talking to you and he said, will you please tell us she's my favourite and, and it is his favourite show. <gasps> really? And you're oh, his favourite you that's ever squeeze. been on, ever, of the whole, all of it. He says it. I love oh. your dad already, even though I've never <laughs> met him. <laughs> oh, and he loves you. But I was saying, I, I remember watching that episode, so I wanted to watch it again. So that's why I did before I was going to talk to you. I was completely overwhelmed all over again. And do you know what is so special? I mean, I, I, you... You have the biggest heart. I think we all saw that on Strictly. But I get the feeling that from an early age as well, you knew what you loved and you knew what you cared for. I think it's about um, it's about values, Gabby. And it's about the values you have really underpinning everything you do. And for me, it's family and it's friends and it's supporting one another and it's helping other people up. And I had this realisation, maybe it's about a year ago, Someone asked me why I did Dragon's Den and how I choose the businesses that I'm going to invest in. And when I really dug down to it, if I'm being totally honest, Gabby, when I have my own personal wealth, I have the option of either investing it in other people's businesses or investing it in my own businesses where I have, I'm in control of turning my one pound investment into a two pound return, for example. Or if I invest it in other people's businesses, I'm not in control of that and it's more risky. And I know. I invested in my own business, I'm going to make more of a return. But for me, Dragon's Den, it's not about the return. It's about having that opportunity to give back and to help other people yes. and to help entrepreneurs. And quite often, the ones that I choose aren't the ones that really need my money. It's the ones that need my help, like Will did from MacTalk. But more than that, it's the ones I know I'm going to love working with. Because it is, it's not just what you see in the den, it's then all the support that goes around it, all the help that we give them, the mentoring. And I want someone that I'm going to really, I'm going to get as much back out of that relationship as what I put in. And it's the same with anything. The more you help in the community, the more you feel like you get back. Same for me with my investments. I get so much learning, so much personal development, so much enjoyment from spending time with a lot of those entrepreneurs I've got the privilege of working alongside. And so for me, Dragon's Den is like the perfect job. It doesn't feel like a job. It just feels like this extra, my husband calls it my extracurricular activity. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just love doing it. But... Do you get fed up that everyone goes on about your wealth and your money? I get the feeling that you don't like the fact that it seems to be the first thing everyone interviews you about. I don't want to talk to you about that weirdly. It's not, that's your thing. It doesn't, it doesn't upset me. But for me, money has never defined me and I've never defined my success by how much money I've made. But that's... 
society, that's how society quite often defines success. So it, it, when I go to Google myself, which I only do occasionally. Oh, if you know, that's a dangerous thing. Dangerous, I know, dangerous. but every time I go to Google myself, the first thing that comes up is Sarah Davies' net worth. And I just think yeah. there is so much more to me. I I feel like I've contributed to the world a lot more than, than the, the money I've made. It's the employment I've created. It's the difference I've made. You know, when I got my MBE, it was for creating employment services to the economy. And that felt like such a massive achievement to me, not kind of how, how much money I made. But I, I guess when you're in the world of business, that's how people like to look at how successful you are or, or judge your success alongside somebody else's. So I get it. But I'd love to think that one day we could kind of change perceptions that that's not the measure of success. Do you think possibly, though, being a dragon has exacerbated that because obviously there's the watch of money and there's you know it's about investment and it's about money but so so in a way that's why people see that although I'm frustrated on your behalf that everyone always talks to you about it as you say when you google you yes I you know when I was doing all my research on you I kept thinking well never just go away actually I want to know about <laughs> you I don't want to discuss how much money you got in the bank I want to know about you do you know, it's always the, as well, the first thing people say to me uh, when they ask me about Dragon's Den, they go, is that pile of money at the side of you all real? <laughs> and then the next thing they always ask is, is it really your money that you invest in companies? And I say, well, yes, it is. That's yeah. why we agonize over every decision. And do you know what you see in 12 minutes on BBC One on a Thursday night, a 12 minute clip, we could have been two hours negotiating that deal, Gabby, and you just see kind of the highlights from it because it's a huge decision. You know, if we're giving somebody 50 grand, 100 grand of our hard earned cash, we want to know they're the right people and they're, they're fully deserving of it and they're going to look after it and spend it in the right way. So for you, let, 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 you know, let's leave this money word or let's leave it. Let's leave it for now. Your story is so remarkable and that every time I, I read about your story or I see your story it, it this really can happen for anybody it really can happen for anybody but you just you knew what you wanted to do and you knew this was going to work you really believed this was going to work the envelopes that you did with your lovely dad at university you just knew didn't you I did and, and you know it's it's funny so when i was at university and i went off and studied management and dragons then had just started then and duncan bannatyne was one of the early dragons and he duncan actually lived believe it or not i moved onto the street that duncan lived in 10 years ago he no. since moved out but yeah and and i remember when i was at university i remember buying his book and his book was called anyone can make it and i read his book and i thought oh my word he's just normal he is just literally a normal bloke who worked really, really hard, knew exactly where he wanted to be and went after it. And I thought, there's no reason I can't do that because I'm just ordinary. And, and but I, I don't mind hard work. I'm not frightened of it. And so I just set out to try and be like that. And then last summer, I got a call from Penguin and they said, we wanted to know if you'd be interested in writing an autobiography. And, and I just thought back to what an impact it had had on my early career 
reading his book because I felt like he was just normal. And then every time I get asked to speak at events or, you know, I speak to my staff every time, every six months or so I do a new staff starter talk on our business. And I try and impress on people that I'm not special. I wasn't born into a privileged family. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't have a, some rich auntie along the way. You know, there, there was nothing out of the ordinary about me. I just know exactly where I want to be and, and I will move heaven and earth to get there. And I, and I just find that when I talk to people about it, they come away feeling really inspired and feeling like they can do it too, like I did when I read Duncan's book. So, so I've written the autobiography and, and it's called We Can All Make It, because I couldn't make his name, could I not? So <laughs> I called it We Can All Make It. But it's that same thing. And I just want ordinary people, whether it's an aspiring business person or whether it's another busy working mum wondering how on earth, like I would juggle everything, to read that book and think, do you know what? She's just normal. She has the same struggles as the rest of us. She's just got really big drive and knows where she's going. And you've got, you know, the nicest possible way, big bollocks, because you need them. <laughs> Let's be honest. You do, because, you know, for every um, uh, business that starts up, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds fail uh, yeah. and don't and don't keep going. And somehow yours did. And do you th I'm going to use a word that I am quite fascinated by is the determination. Do you think it's yeah. determination and is it a self-belief or is it, what is it that makes, apart from the fact it's obviously a good idea, but there are many that don't work. What yeah. is it that, that you need? Is it, you know, a personal thing? Is it determination? So the word I always boil it right down to is drive. I have drive in abundance, whether that's drive to succeed at work, in my business, whether that's a drive to be a fantastic investor for some of my um, businesses that I've invested in, whether it's a drive to be the best mum I can be, or more recently, it was drive to try and master a skill that I had absolutely no idea about, but knew I was going to love in the dancing. Oh, and you if great. you just, you, if you apply that drive to everything you do, you know, I am not the best at anything. I am not naturally talented at anything really, but I've got this innate drive and desperation to want to succeed that pushes me beyond the point of anything else. And, and I love it, I thrive on it. And I think the dancing was a great example. You know, I realized being right at the bottom of the leaderboard in week one, that I am not up to scratch compared to all of these other celebrities here that are dancing, but I wanted that so badly. You know, I love the show so much and I didn't want to be out week two and I was favorite to be out week two. And I just thought, I'm going to work my little socks off here because I love this and I want to do this as long as I can. And it was that drive that got me through you know, to week, to, what was it? Week 10, dance number eight I did. It was just, it was incre it's incredible what you can achieve when you put your mind to it. Where does this, obviously, you know, the cliche question I'm going to ask is where does the drive come from? So people always say this, so they always ask entrepreneurs as well, there's this age old thing of, are entrepreneurs born or made? Is it nature or nurture? And I can't tell you which one it is, but I know it came from my parents. So I don't know if I was born with genes, like my entrepreneurial parents to have that drive, or I don't know if it's the way they nurtured me when I was young. So but did they believe in you? Instilled, did... They did. My yeah. dad instilled in me, you can go and do anything, kid, you can be anything. And I know you've got to temper that with kids these days, because you don't want them to think, do you know what, I'm not going to stick in at school because I'm going to be a professional footballer or I'm just going to be a professional YouTuber when I grow up. It, it wasn't that, it was that if you work hard and you've got that drive and relentless energy, 
whatever you want to achieve in life, you'll get there and I'll back your kid. And he used to say, if you reach for the stars and you hit the moon, that's really good. And I think what my dad never banked on is I wasn't going to settle when I got to the moon. We want to keep going. We got them stars and I'm still not there. You know, we get to one bit and I'm just immediately got my eye on where do I want to go next? How do I drive that little bit further? Were you like this as a child, though? When you were at school and, and I mean, your parents sound amazing. You, you know, I love when I hear about supportive parents and we, we hear again and again, and I'm sure you've heard many stories, but, um, you know, we hear again and again about parents, about people who succeed and have become yeah. successes in whatever they've chosen to do. And their parents said, no, it's not going to happen or, or no, I, I'm not supporting you. But the fact you had your parents support, but were you like this as a child? Um, I, I, I think so. But what you've got to remember is I was, I was really quite shy as a kid and I was from, you know, I, I grew up in a little pit village in County Durham and we didn't have an awful lot of money when I was a kid. I was the kid that had the Adidas Force Tribe tracksuit bottoms and, you know, my mum and dad used to buy my new school bag from the car boot sale. Um, and it was, we, we really didn't have a lot of money and I wasn't, because I wasn't the cleverest kid in the school, but I wasn't popular either. You know, I didn't dress trendy or anything like that. So I was kind of in the geeky crowd, but not smart enough to be one of the top geeks. And, and I was I was all right at everything, but not brilliant at anything. It was the same with sport. You know, I was good enough to get into the top class at maths, but not right up at the top there. And so everything like that, I was just good at, and I could push myself that little bit further. But I think it was, so I met my then boyfriend, now husband, when I was 15. Oh, wow. And I didn't realise. Yeah, so 22 years we've been together Aww. and Simon was four years older than me and Simon is really naturally bright. Sorry, whoa, 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 whoa. You were 15 and he was 19. <laughs> oh, I can tell you, Gabby, it was quite the scandal at the time. You know, no, no, sorry, 20. He was 20. Blimey. No, he was... He was 19, I was 15, and I remember one day at school, one of the popular kids coming up to me, and it was, I could see she was coming my way, and I was shaking, just thinking, oh my God, she's going to come and talk to us, she's going to talk to us, what's she going to say, I don't know what she's going to say. And she stood up in my face and she went, is it true that you were dating a 25-year-old? <laughs> and I looked at him and I went, no, he's 19. You know, and obviously they'd gone around the school and got exaggerated and exaggerated. I was like, no, he's 19. But like the popular kids couldn't believe that A, I had a boyfriend and B, that he had his own car. You know, that was really cool. Oh, but, um, yes. Yeah. It was, it, it's lovely. So my husband actually works with me in the, it's his birthday today. Oh, um, happy birthday, He works Simon. with me in the business. So, and we've worked together now for the last 13 years. And um, he gave, he had a wonderful career and he gave it up a couple of years into the business because it was quite clear that I wasn't coping doing it all on my own and I would never trust anybody with my baby. And so he just came home from work one day and said, uh, that's it. I've handed my notice in at work. I've worked out. We've got enough money in the bank account that we can take money out of the business, which I've never done, and pay off the mortgage. And then we can live on 10 grand a year each. That's enough to pay the bills. And we're just going to give the company our all. And if it doesn't work, I'll just have to go and get another job. But we can't keep living like this because we were like ships that passed in the night. He used to have this fantastic high-powered career. We would fly out to Europe midweek, a couple of weeks in the month. I would be away at consumer shows every weekend trying to build the business up. And we just never saw each other and it was quite clear that the business there was something there but I didn't have all the skills to be able to make it work on my own and he taught us we're like chalk and cheese he's the yin to my yang so now the staff all think it's absolutely hilarious because I run at 100 mile an hour leave a massive trail of destruction behind me and Simon comes along with a sweet and brush
Oh, that sounds perfect. I can't believe you've been together for 22 years and that you work together yeah. and you're still, when you talk about him, I can, you've got <laughs> stars in your eyes. Yeah, I literally idolise the ground he walks on oh, still. Oh, so. my word. So what was he doing then? You say he had this high-powered job. I'm intrigued. What was he doing? When he, what did he give so up? So Simon, yes, Simon was a management accountant. So he is a glorified bean counter. <laughs> which is why it works so well in the business because uh, i'm one of these totally creative airy fairy want to do all the product development the marketing the sales the fun stuff and i've got no patience whatsoever for the really dull boring stuff like the numbers and the logistics and the operational stuff he takes care of all of that and i do all the fun stuff it's brilliant ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How did you know that this was going to work so well? I, as I said, you started out, I know it's a sort of everybody um, uh, knows now that you started out with the envelopes, the beautiful cards, yeah. and you thought they need a proper envelope. But then all the, the, the crafting, and ha I mean, it's huge now. I mean, I, I oh, write for, for Prima magazine and they and I do a monthly column for them and they love it when I do something about, because I do, I'm mad about fashion, but I say you've got to change things and you've got to do this and this and this. and um, but, but cooking and making things and, I mean, crafting is enormous. How did, how did you know that this was going to have another growth? Yeah, do you know what? Back then, it wasn't that big. And it's interesting to say about Prima because... You write all the fashion stuff and I do a crafting column in there. I every know month you as do. Well. I know and you they, do. That's why I mentioned it. I love it. But so 20 years ago, when I first started in the industry, it wasn't cool. Let me tell you, if you made someone a handmade card for their birthday, you were cheap. Whereas now, if you make someone a handmade card for their birthday, oh my word, look at the effort that you've yes, gone to. How yes. incredible is that? And I think it was so taboo all those years ago. And it's so the in thing now. And I've just, I've watched the industry catch up with what I've been doing and, and kind of what, what I've seen. And I think it's just, I know it's that key buzzword that everyone talks about with the mindfulness, but you know, especially during lockdown, you just look at how many people were stuck on devices, we're watching TVs, we're obsessed with the news updates or whatever. Take yourself out of that for just half an hour. 
and do something with your hands. You know, I, I learned to crochet again during lockdown. Or people have been, I mean, knitting's had a huge resurgence and fabric craft, sewing, since the sewing bee's been on. I mean, it's one of the biggest shows on TV now, the sewing bee. And it's all these crafts, it's the things that we used to do with our grandmas when we were little that kind of got a bit lost yes, for a while. Yes, you're right. But how did you know that this was going to happen? I just so so what happened was I I went off to university to study management with a view to I, I always knew I wanted to run my own business or I'd take over the family business from my mum and dad when I got a little bit older. So I went to university to learn the theory behind you know what we were doing yeah, in practice, yeah, yeah. which felt like common sense to me because it's all I'd grown up with. And um, I went and worked for this tiny little craft company that that just opened my eyes to an industry I never knew existed. You know, I, I knew that people made cards, but like I said, it was something I kind of thought it was like what, what your grandma did or what craft is what older people did. And I'm not ashamed to admit it because it's what we all thought, right? And then I saw it and I saw how much joy it brought people. You know, I worked in the middle of that industry for that year that I did an industry. And I saw those customers and I fell in love with the customers and I fell in love with the industry. And I just thought, I want to be a part of this. It's so creative, but the people who craft, it's more than a hobby to them. It's a real passion. And the communities that exist in crafting, whether that's virtual communities and people on Facebook, or whether it's uh, in-person communities and people meeting up in a village hall once a week to have a knit and a group, whatever it is, the support and the love that's in that industry, I sort of thought, I want to be a part of this because this has got to take off. This is, this is on the cusp of an explosion. It's got to be. And you know what? I picked the right industry. You did. And, and people always say now, I think people think when, you, when you're an entrepreneur kind of at my level and you get to invest in other businesses, they often call us serial entrepreneurs because people assume that we will sell one business, move on to another one. And I'd like to think that my business skills could make me successful in any industry that I put my mind to it. But I, I don't want to put my mind to any other industry than the craft industry because it won't bring me as much joy. I love what I do. I, I come into work every day. I still teach. I fly all over the world, or I did pre-COVID. Now we broadcast all over the world from our studios here in the northeast of England. And I teach people how to craft live on TV. That is my job, whether it's on shopping channels in America or whether yeah, it's on the BBC America, doing craft you? segments. It, it's massive. Crafting's massive in America. And I, you know, at one point I was flying out to America every three or four weeks to do a multi-million pound, a multi-million dollar show on the shopping channels in the US because people, they, they watch it. It's brilliant, the shopping TV for craft because you can watch, you can learn how to do it. And then if you're watching, you think, I really like that stuff she's just made there. You press one button and you order everything I've used and you can have it delivered to your home. And then we do hours and hours. I still teach hours of tutorials every month on YouTube. There's hundreds of hours on YouTube of me teaching you every different type of craft and I just think it's that is the side of the industry that I just love that the teaching being passionate you know working with other crafters and you, you can you'll never ever take that out of me there's never anything I find that I enjoy doing as much as that although dancing was a really close second. Yeah, I was going to say consider dancing. sacking it all off to become a professional dancer <laughs> at the end of last year I was thinking I could take some extra ballroom lessons and maybe I could make it to Blackpool but then I thought better of it <laughs> <laughs> do you teach Simon how to dance do you and Simon dance together oh no. So uh, Simon's got two left feet. Simon won't even dance with me at a friend's wedding if he's really drunk. But he's also a little short ginger guy. 
So now I wouldn't have understood. Hold on, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm, I was, I was ginger. My, my, my <laughs> daughter, my eldest daughter, she's ginger. I love a ginger. I love Simon even I more love now. Ginger, you love him even more. But he, he, honestly, we are totally incompatible height-wise on the dance floor. So even if you would dance with me, which I know you won't, I realised I would get a really bad back. Now, I hadn't understood that before I started dancing. <laughs> oh, my word, I love that. I, I can imagine, you, you say that he's your yin and yang. I imagine that he really is this calming influence because we all need them. Us manic people who, who love to keep ourselves yep. busy and doing stuff, we need, need those calm people to keep you grounded. Do you know what I really hope, Gabby? I hope when this podcast comes out, I go and Google myself and be ahead of Sarah Davies' net worth, you'll find who is Sarah Davies' husband. That's sometimes a second or a third on the Google list of things people want to know about me. So let's see if we can get it to number one. How does it feel, though, now, of fame? I'm gonna, I'm not going to use the C word because I think the word celebrity is a horrible I hate word. It. Yes, so do I. Uh, so how does the fame, how do you feel about the fame now? Because obviously you were famous for doing all your crafting shows, but now fame has gone, is escalated because of The Den and because of the yeah. wonderful series of Strictly. I mean, what, a, what an incredible series you were involved in. Because oh, of that, how does the fame, how do you handle fame? Do you know, it's one of the, it wasn't too bad after I did Dragon's Den. I could kind of, because what would happen is, you can tell, I'll be walking down the street and someone will stare at me because they can, they know they know me and they don't know where they know me from. They can't place it. And then as soon as I open my mouth, they go, that's it. It's the girl from Dragon's Den. It's, it's always the accent that people tell me for straight away. <laughs> but since I did Strictly, they did say to me, it'll be another level and you won't know what's hit you. And uh, it really hit me the other day. I was having uh, I was having dinner with John Waite. I know you know oh, John. Oh, I love then, him. And we were having a whole discussion on the best way to cut your pizza. And John put it on his Instagram. And my friend texted me the next morning. She was like, oh, my God, Sarah, they're talking about you in the papers because of how you cut your pizza. You've totally made it now. <laughs> and I was like, do you know what? It is another level when your life gets scrutinized to that level. You know, somebody mentions how you cut a pizza on your Instagram story. And it makes the Manchester Evening News and the Daily Mail. And it's it's one of them things. You've just You've got to learn to live with it. And for me, I've always been quite a private person. And Simon's very private. And one thing that was really important to us was keeping our kids out of the public eye. So I, I'm a really big family person and I just want to shout it from the top of my lungs every day, like how well my kids are doing at school and the stuff I love to do with them as a mum, but I don't want to expose them good. to any of that world. Good, so I good, keep good. my kids out of that, out of the media. But I remember one day having a massive argument. This, this um, pap had been following me and Aliash around when we'd gone for lunch sometime. We were off to do the school run and pick the kids up. And, and I just tried to appeal to his better judgment and I said, look, uh, please, I'll stand and you can take a picture of me walking along the street, whatever it is you need to do. But I'm going to pick my kids up from school now and I really don't want you to follow me to the school or to harass the kids or anything like that. And he scoffed in my face and he said to me, ha, like I wasn't sat outside your house for five hours last night. And, and it, just, oh. it just hit me like a ton of bricks and it terrified me. Yes. And it just made me think, is it worth it? Is, you know, because that's not, that's not what I set out to achieve. I, I just... 
I didn't set out to be in the public eye like this. I just got that opportunity to go on Dragon's Den and I, and I, and I wanted to jump at it because I love the show. And then when I got the call to say, do you want to go on Strictly? I do, because I love that. That is my favorite yeah. TV program. My, me and my husband sat down and talked about it. And we talked about the impact it might have on the family and how we could cope with that. And we just accepted that I wanted to do this so much, we would do everything we could to protect the family from that. And nine out of 10 people are really respectful and don't bother me. I, I don't mind when it's just me. You know, I don't mind if I'm out for dinner somewhere and people oh, want to yeah. come and, and have a selfie with me. I, I never mind that. It's when I'm with the family, I don't want to impose this on the kids' life. because I signed up for this life not them and absolutely. I think that's the blurred line where, where it's sometimes a bit difficult absolutely I could uh, share with you a story about a uh, paparazzi photographer once uh, but I won't do it now uh, I'll do it another oh. time no but I just I agree with you because uh, I've always kept my family out I, it's my choice 35 years I've been doing this and it's my choice it's not their choice and they don't they don't want to be out there so the, the fame side then how has Simon coped with you know, the, the paparazzi saying, as he said to you, and, uh, you know, does Simon now want to sort of rein you back a bit and say, come on, come back home? Or, or are you together coping with this? Do you know, he is my absolute rock and he can see how much I love what I'm doing and he wants to be the one there to support me through it all. And do you know what, if I just look this last six months, so the poor lad, he is, because he runs the business with me, he's had to literally hold down the fort on the business while I've been away playing Little Miss Twinkle Toes. <laughs> and then the kids are five and eight now, which means that every night there's either football practice or karate training or swimming lessons. And so he's having to try and leave work early. The grandparents are great. We have amazing grandparent support, but just juggling the kids and all their various, you know, extracurricular activities that they do is immense. And then on top of that, you know, I've been so manic, not only Strictly, but then the Strictly Live tour. So I'm not there. I kind of still need to rely on him for all the emotional support while he's holding down the family and the household and the business, which I'm not going to lie, we have 250 staff globally. And, you know, it's, we're a £40 million business. It takes a lot of running. And he's just coping with all of that on his own and all the stuff that comes with being in the spotlight and the press and, you know, the radio wanted to interview him every week. I was on Strictly and know he felt about that and he just took the whole lot in his stride you can see why I still kind of idolise the ground he walks yeah. on <laughs> but isn't that amazing when, when you were 15 and he was 19 that you probably had no idea that this is how you both were going to turn out no. that this was going to happen no. but I did know I remember within a couple of months I just felt like I knew that it was he was the one but then I was too embarrassed to say that at 15 year old because I thought everybody will say she's you only you 15. 15 what does she know about wow. love I knew, I knew within a couple of months and I just thought that's it and it, it, it didn't mean you know I, it, I I made my life choices around that so I wanted to go off to university but it mean, meant I chose a university that was, that was far enough away from home to justify the tens of thousands my parents were going to spend on sending me to university but not so far that I couldn't see Simon every weekend and it was just making those decisions you know I wanted to go off to university and have have my boyfriend still and I remember at uni there was 18 girls in my halls of residence and uh, of the 18 11 of them had long-term boyfriends in inverted commas when we started our first year and I remember by the Christmas there was only me was still with my long-term boyfriend um 
going into the going into the second uh, you know the second term as it was and I, I i never regretted that i never looked back on that and thought oh i wish i'd gone to uni with it's just you know i've been with simon more than half my life now and it's i feel so lucky that i met the person i'm i get to spend my whole life with when i was 15 you know and i've got to share my whole half my life with him you, you, there's a word you keep using. I'm very interested because there's a lot of women who don't like it. Is you keep using yeah. the word juggle, yeah. and so a lot of women um, will say, "Oh, wh why do you never ask a man about juggling?" But you've used it a lot. So is it something that you feel? Is that you know you feel quite strongly that oh, yes. there to help you with the juggling? Yep. Simon, ha Simon has his own daily juggling act and then I have the juggling act and, and we have to juggle with the two sets of grandparents really being on hand and helping with all of that. But I think the one thing, and, and I get asked this about this a lot, is how do you manage to juggle everything? And by everything, I mean, you know, the business, I still work in the business full time. Um, my investment portfolio, which I'm now going into record my fourth season of Dragon's Den uh, in the coming months. And that's, a, you know, that gets added to every year, my investment portfolio. I juggle that. I've then got the kids at home. I now present sometimes for the BBC. I do morning live a lot. I've got other projects underway with the BBC. I've just been on tour with Strictly. Obviously, the time I had out last year for Strictly, and it is a constant juggling act. But the way the way I do it, I have one golden rule that kind of holds me through everything, and that's be present in whatever you do. So whether that's you know I, I used to fly to America a lot. You know, like I said, every few weeks. And what I used to do is I used to get on that flight and I didn't chastise myself for the fact that I was away from home and I was going to miss the kids for three days or anything. I just focused on the fact that the kids are being really well looked after. They're having a great time with their dad or the grandparents. And I needed to give work 110% of my focus because I was go flying out to America to do a massive show, which was worth millions of dollars to the business. And that was keeping 50 people in employment. And then I would work really hard for the whole time I was away and then get on the plane back home, catch up on my emails, knowing that when I landed, that phone was staying at the front door out of the way and I was going to be present with the kids and I was going to have the next three or four days solely focused on family time and I wasn't going to feel guilty that I wasn't in the business and even though it was a Friday I was having the day off to spend with the kids because I'd just given work 110% of my focus for the previous yeah. few days and it was the same with the dancing I remember so the only way I could fit the dancing training in is we used to have to train at six o'clock in the morning so poor Aliash who thought the morning started at half past 10 11 o'clock got a sharp awakening when he came up north to train with me. He used to have to get up at five o'clock every morning, meet me at the dance studio at six. We'd start train training at six. And around eight o'clock, we used to knock off for a bit of a break. We'd put the coffee, uh, put the kettle on, make a cup of coffee. And then I'd check my work emails. And I remember after a few days, he said to me, you're so focused when we get in at six o'clock. It's unbelievable how much you achieve. And then about at my state, I lose you a little bit. I can see you're not as focused on what you're doing. And what it was is I was looking at my work emails and then I was thinking, right, when I get into the office at half past one, I really need to do this, that and the other. And, and then so-and-so has just asked me about this, which means they've probably got a problem with that. So I wonder what we're going to do about that. And half my head's in work and half my head's in the dancing. So I'm, I'm not doing either very well. So we had to stop. We had to knock those eight o'clock cups of coffee. Well, we still kept the cup of coffee. I knocked the check and the work emails on the head so that then what I could do is if I could only give him six, seven hours or whatever that day, I would give him six or seven hours of being totally present, really focused on the steps and, and being 100% in the moment with the dancing, knowing that when I left at 
half 12, one o'clock, whatever it was, I could then go and give work 100%. And there's no point ever feeling guilty whether it's mum guilt, whether it's guilt for yeah. not being in yes. work enough. You know, I was feeling guilty for Aliash that I couldn't give him, you know, other contestants could just drop their whole life and go and tra train for 12, 14 hours a day. I couldn't do that because I still had to run the business and I still had to see the kids every day and I still had to juggle my investment portfolio. I couldn't give him 14 hours a day. I could give him six, but in those six hours, at least I could commit and be totally present and work my little socks off and do everything that he said. And it just, it, I find decompartmentalizing like that, being present in whatever it is you do, always tees you up for success. Do you know, Sarah, you are like the best, I don't drink booze, but I, I, you're like the best <laughs> drug, best drink ever. You're just, you're so enthusiastic about life. And, you, and I love the fact you're saying you're living in the moment and you feel all of this is important. Uh, long may you reign, my darling. I honestly, I mean it. <laughs> Sarah, thank you. It's been wonderful. Honestly, I, I have I've loved chatting to you. You've really you've got me feeling good about everything again. Coming up next week, the hilarious Tom Allen. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions and music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thank you so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one of them and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.